You're listening to the Weekend Sport Podcast with Jason Pine from Newstalk ZB. Before this podcast kicks off, let's talk about goals. The Greatest Goal is a native tree crowdfunding campaign, leaving a legacy for Aotearoa New Zealand as co-hosts of the FIFA Women's World Cup 2023. Visit treesthatcount.co.nz to donate a native tree for a brighter future. Football Fever with News Talk ZB's voice of football, Jason Pine and Bonnie Jansen with Trees That Count. Donate an added tree and help us score the greatest goal. Welcome into Football Fever, your daily World Cup podcast with treesthatcount.co.nz. Our final four are locked in after quarterfinals three and four last night. A night of extraordinary drama in Brisbane. It's six all. And it's Vicky Besho, just 19 years old, and hits the post. Can she grab this game? Can she grab the Matildas' future? 21-year-old Courtney Vine at her first World Cup can write the Matildas into history. Key the party indeed. Have you ever seen anything like it, Bonnie? I just have goosebumps listening back to that audio. It was such an amazing night and, and wow, a penalty shootout. What, 10 takers? It got up to to the 10th player? That's never seen anything like it. Yeah, Courtney Vine was the 20th penalty taker. Uh, No penalty shootout in men's or women's World Cup history has got to the 20th taker. I think the only ones left would have been the the keeper for France and Alana Kennedy, I don't think, took one for Australia. So if we'd got past that, we would have had to go back to the start again. Yeah, exactly. Like I've never seen it. And um, just incredible scenes and and everyone, you know, both France and Australia, you know, um, just uh, kind of use that that pressure as as privilege, and it was amazing scenes, amazing scenes. First time Australia have ever made the semi-finals. Uh, a goalless 120 minutes for the record. They won it seven six on penalties. Uh, Courtney Vine with the uh, the winning spot kick. Australian keeper Mackenzie Arnold made four saves in the shootout twice from Kenza Daly, uh, but she'd moved off her line for the first one, leading to a retake. But what about Mackenzie Arnold herself? Stepping up to take the fifth penalty for Australia, if she'd scored, that would have been it. Australia would have been through. She hit the post and then had to recompose herself from that disappointment to try and keep saving penalties. Just incredible drama. And that's why she deserved the player of the player of the match award after the game, because to to kind of bounce back from not scoring that winning pen you know then and and brave to take it that early to be fair for a goalkeeper but um yeah to bounce back from that and then go on to make another few saves just incredible and and good on her because yeah she she kept her team in it for sure throughout the whole game oh absolutely she had a good game and we'll talk about the the 120 minutes in a moment but um she she had to or the, the one that had to get retaken was because she'd come off her line and of course with var they don't miss anything and she was off her line the rule is you got to keep your feet on the line or at least one of them um before uh the ball is struck uh, and so she was then in the situation where if she'd done it again, she would have got a yellow card and she's already on a yellow card 
in this tournament, meaning that she would have missed the semi-final. Can you imagine the pressure on her? That's insane, yeah. And and as I said before, to go out and again make another save off the back of that with that pressure is just insane. And and like what like well done to Mackenzie Arnold because she kept her her team in that game and. And, and I mean, we spoke on the podcast yesterday. Australia could have succumbed to that pressure yesterday. They had so many eyes on them, but they just thrived in it, and including Mackenzie Arnold. <laughs> when the um, players step up, do you look at them and say, yeah, look, she's going to score? Or, oh, she looks a bit nervous. Do you, do you try and predict it? We were doing that last night, and, and that's what I noticed in that, in that um, USA-Sweden penalty shootout is some players look more nervous than others, and... It seems to be when they look nervous, they don't score, I feel. So, um, yeah, I was saying that last night and I felt, um, yeah, some of the French players were looked more nervous than the Australians did. I just thought Courtney Vine always looked like she was going to score. Uh, it's easy to say in hindsight. She's a 21-year-old kid, and just a kid really. But she looked like she'd been, you know, been in the situation many times before. Yeah, I was surprised she was so far down the list because she was incredible for Sydney FC in the in the um, A League over summer last season, and you know she's a goal scorer. So I was, I mean, a goal scorer is different to a, a penalty uh, kick taker, but um, yeah, I was surprised she was number ten for a team. So when I was confident when she stepped up that that Australia were going to get the win there. Here is Courtney Vine shortly after the final whistle. I just don't know how to feel. Like, it just, I don't think it's hit me that, you know, I was the one that, that got to, stood, like, stood up for the, the last penalty kick and to secure us our spot into the semi-final of, like, a World Cup at home soil. Like, I just, it just, it's not registering with me right now. Yeah, I bet it's registering now as they wake up this morning. The French subbed on a keeper late on extra time just for the penalty, Soline Durand. Um... I'm not a fan of people coming on to take penalties. I don't mind a keeper coming on because it kind of, um, I, I guess, throws a bit of doubt into the opposition's mind. Man, if she must be very good at saving penalties if they're putting her on for a penalty shootout. Um, she saved a couple, didn't she? What did you make of the decision to send on a, a keeper right at the end by France? Yeah, I mean, it was clearly pre-planned, wasn't it? And and everyone knew on the in the French camp anyway knew that it was happening so yeah I, I get that there's keepers that are that are um you know sp- specifically great at saving penalties and I mean we've even done it at our league and and uh, club football so uh, I get that and, and it was a, a good decision to make because she did save a few penalties and and any other day she could have won it for a team it, you know it was went on for so long and could have gone either way. The game itself, uh, I mean, the penalties obviously are what we're going to remember about the game, but over 120 minutes, no goals uh, for either side. Both teams had kind of periods of dominance, didn't they? At one stage, I thought, well, Jeepers France are well and truly on top here, and then Australia had uh, a period where Mary Fowler seemed to have the ball at her feet all the time in front of goal, but couldn't get the ball in the back of the net. Uh, Who do you think actually had the better of the 120 minutes? Well, that's the thing. I mean, as you said, the the penalties are what most people are going to remember. But the game itself, despite there being no goals for that full 120 minutes, was actually really exciting. And it was end-to-end stuff for a lot of the game. And, I mean, I haven't looked at the stats, but it was it was pretty even and, and there were even chances throughout. And, and I think, yeah, France were definitely closing in on Australia towards the, the end of the game. But... um. I mean, yeah, it, it was an exciting match, regardless of you know 
uh, went to penalties. That's what we're going to remember. But I, I thought it was very cool. And for me, like seeing Sam Kerr come on and her immediate impact was pretty cool. I thought, she But was, as you uh, said, Fowler was great as well. I thought Sam Kerr was going to miss her penalty. I, I thought that the the story that everybody wanted to see written was going to be one with a twist where, and it wasn't a great pen to be fair. It's pretty close to the keeper. She's gone the other way, the keeper. But I thought Sam Kerr was going to miss her penalty. Yeah, I, I was, I, I thought she was one of the ones who looked more nervous. And I felt a little bit of, of Megan Rapino, you know, that amount of pressure yeah. on, on that one player, you know, she, everyone's been waiting for her to come and, do her thing for Australia and, and she hasn't had that opportunity because of injury. But, um, yeah, just the insane pressure. And yeah, I agree. It wasn't a great pen, but job done. She found the back of the net. So, um, yeah, she'll take it. Yeah. All you got to do is get it across the line, right? All you got to do is get it across the line. I mean, just extraordinary drama and, and, you know, seeing the, the coaching staff and the substitutes and the players who were out there in the center circle and the crowd just going through <laughs> every, part of the emotional spectrum as they watch their team try to, you know, try to close this game out. And I'm sure you've had a look around social media as well. And around Australia, you know, some of the scenes at the at the live, um, you know, fan zones, but also in other places, you know, I saw at, at the Aussie Rules, you know, everybody that they, I don't know whether they actually put it on the big screen at all of them because there were people rushing up to into areas where there were TVs to watch it all unfold, people on their phones, just the, the amount of, just the cut through of this was just incredible last night. And that's why I think Australia are now a real good shot at winning this thing because they had everyone watching them you know you could argue all of New Zealand watching them as well and they got through it they got the job done and and yes as I said before it could have gone either way and it it wasn't pretty at times and it wasn't convincing but but they got through it and and to have that amount of pressure on them um is just insane I see this morning that now the Matildas have more followers on Instagram than the Socceroos which is which is an amazing statement and um yeah, so uh, for them, to, yeah, just it, it's just huge for for us down under and in New Zealand as well to have them at this point in the competition. Yeah, a common theme right throughout the um the lead into this game in particular has been how far the game has come in Australia. And look, it's just into a different stratosphere now. Just before we leave this game, uh, just a quick uh, piece of audio from Australian coach Tony Gustafsson from after the game. Um, the cameras flashed on to him when Courtney Vines' winning penalty went in and you could see just how emotional he was. He was openly in tears that his team had managed to get the job done. I said to the team before the game, it's not about the medal around your neck. It's about the heart beating on the backside of it. Um, meaning it's about heart um, and the amount of heart and soul and passion that this team showed tonight is there's different ways of uh, defining success but for me uh, success is when you leave it all out there no matter the result you play with your heart um, and give it your best uh, with a crest on your chest and the players tonight they represent so much more than 90 minute football the Football Fever Podcast with Jason Pine and Bonnie Jansen with Trees That Count.
Donate a native tree and help us score the greatest goal. While this podcast takes a halftime break, let's talk about the greatest goal, a crowdfunding campaign leaving a legacy for Aotearoa New Zealand as co-hosts of the FIFA Women's World Cup 2023 by asking fans to donate a native tree. Each native tree costs just $10, and whether you donate one or many, you'll be contributing to amazing restoration projects across Aotearoa. Visit treesthatcount.co.nz to donate a native tree and help us score the greatest goal. Looks like we're ready to kick off the second half. So after all that drama in Brisbane, we then uh, settled in for the second of last night's quarterfinals in Sydney. England 2, Colombia 1, England coming from 1-0 down to win. They've now reached the semi-finals in the last three World Cups and the last two European Championships. Um, Colombia went ahead. Do you think she was shooting? Do you think that was a shot at goal or a cross from the Colombian player? I reckon a shot. I oh. reckon it was great. Go on. <laughs> I, I wondered, I, I've watched it a few times, and she has a wee look up, but I think she's just putting that in the area. But, you know, it's it's gone in, so they all count, don't they? Yeah, exactly. It's found the net. <laughs> Yeah, so Colombia went ahead, but what, I mean, right before half time, you know, they just, a dreadful error from the Colombian goalkeeper to gift England the equaliser just before half time. In fact, they were into the sixth minute of added time at the end of the first half. Innocuous little ball comes in. She goes to ground to try and, well, not to try, but just to take it. I mean, you and I picked that ball up, and she somehow inexplicably loses the ball. It bobbles around, and England poke it in for one. Oh, I think the game changes in that moment. It's a game-changing moment, and you're exactly right. And if they held out just, uh, you know, for 30 more seconds, they would have been into the changing room to regroup, and they would have had a 1-0 lead, and and anything can happen at that point. So, um, yeah, it was, I mean, good on England for putting that pressure on to find the equaliser. But, um, yeah, it's it's a real shame for Colombia because, it, it, yeah, it could have changed the game, and, and they could have, you know, given, given uh, England a real run that second half. Emphatic finish from Alicia Russo to uh, put England ahead and they went on to win the game. Colombia had 15 shots to England's 10. I don't really feel like England have played that well, but they're in the semi-finals. So I was talking about this with a friend and I, I, I feel the same. I feel England, you could almost say they're a little bit boring with the way they play compared to, you know, coming off the back of watching Australia and, and France, uh, you know, in the match before. But... Yeah, I, I feel like they're not that exciting to watch, but um, as we kind of discussed, they're actually just really, really good, and maybe that's it. Is is they they're just you know they're a good side. They're they're not you know playing probably the most thrilling uh, football, but they're getting the job done. And and every game it seems they're getting the job done, and that's how how champions kind of need to behave. So um, yeah, it wasn't that exciting, but. Again, um, yeah, they're, they're through to the semi-finals, and that's huge. Football Fever with Jason Pine and Bonnie Jansen with Trees That Count. Donate a native tree and help us score the greatest goal. So, our semi-finals are set Tuesday night, Eden Park in Auckland, Sweden v Spain Wednesday night. My goodness. Australia against England in Sydney. The winners will play in the World Cup final a week tonight in Sydney. We'll obviously have a a good uh, drill down into both of these games when we bring out podcasts during the week, Bonnie. But what's your gut feel early? Uh, have Australia, for starters, got one more game in them, or 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 not? I don't, I don't even I don't even know what's going to happen on Wednesday night. 
Well, that's the thing. That that game is, is so exciting, whether you're a mad football fan or not. Australia versus England, you know, is a sporting dream for any code. Um, but... I mean, I was saying saying the same thing this morning. I, I was like, who do you back in this game? Because England, European champions, but then Australia, they've just used this home advantage. This is how you use it, and, and we only wish the, the football ferns have done it. So, you know, I, I think they're going to get through it or, or put up a really good fight against England. I think the momentum of that crowd last night really did help them and, and the weight of the nation behind them. We talked yesterday about whether that might be a weight on their shoulders. In fact, it was a wave that they rode into the semi-final. So, yeah, look, you can only imagine what Matilda mania is going to feel like over the next few days as we head towards Wednesday. Tuesday night, what a mouth-watering entree. We have Sweden-Spain at Eden Park. Final game in New Zealand at this Football World Cup. Um, again, I've got no clue. Yeah, no, I feel the same. I would like to see Spain win it. I um, I feel like they're a more exciting team to watch. Um, Sweden, very organised and and very talented, but but probably not as as thrilling. Um, yeah. So yeah, I, I I'm backing Spain because yeah, Spain have had an up and down tournament, but to get to this point, you know, they've had to fight and so so they've you know they've got skill, but they've also got character. Mm, indeed. Well, once we've uh, collected our thoughts and uh, and managed to actually do some some proper analysis, we'll bring you a preview of Sweden-Spain when a uh, fresh podcast drops into your podcast feed on Tuesday morning. I think we all need the rest of today and tomorrow off to recover from what we saw last night. Bonnie, we're getting right down towards the business end now. Semi-final time coming up, so enjoy a day and a half off, and uh, we'll chat to you on Tuesday. See you then. In this post-match review, let's score the greatest goal by donating a native tree to leave a legacy for Aotearoa New Zealand as co-hosts of the FIFA Women's World Cup 2023. Visit treesthatcount.co.nz to donate a native tree for a brighter future. For more from Weekend Sport with Jason Pine, listen live to News Talk ZB weekends from midday or follow the podcast on iHeartRadio.